Well, I'm not saying that I'm going to get more than one question tonight. Who knows? Uh, we've got some really, really good ones, and it's a sandwich. I appreciate the questions. And some of them <clears throat> that we will get to might not uh, answer things particularly for you. Uh, some of the questions that people ask Brother Brown, you can tell for many of them it was about an individual, something they didn't understand or, or something like that. And then there's other questions that cover a broad spectrum. But there's some of them that I think will help all of us. We don't have it even to be used. And uh, this is the first one that we <clears throat> would like to start out with tonight. What is the best way to keep from dwelling on bad thoughts the devil puts in your mind? What is the best way to keep from dwelling on bad thoughts the devil puts in your mind? How many of us has that to happen to us? Well, first of all, I'm going to shake the hands of you angels. My goodness, I didn't realize we had too many angels here tonight. So you mean we have these things? Brother Donnie is a preacher? Oh, yeah. It may seem nearly impossible to you, but as a preacher, when you're up there preaching, <clears throat> And when you preach as fast as I preach, you probably think that the only thing that goes through your mind, you're sitting there thinking, man, it's just the word, the word, the word. That's not true. Somebody get up and walk out, and while you're talking 90 miles an hour and preaching with all of your heart, you've still got room in your head for the devil to say, you made them mad. They didn't like that. Did you see that person? They had a frown on their face. They didn't like what you had to say. Now, as a, as a preacher, that can be such a troubling thing because you're standing there talking, thinking, talking, preaching, and you're fighting these thoughts at the same time. So whether you are a young person or an old person as I am, all of us still go through these things. And we know that the reason of it is, is because the mind was chosen as the battleground. <clears throat> we know that God made us in the beginning and we are a threefold being. That is our soul, our spirit, and our body. Our body has five contacts. See, taste, feel, smell, hear. Our spirit has five contacts. Imagination, conscience, memory, reason, and affection. On the inside, the soul has one thing, and that's your choice. And the mind actually lays inside the spirit. We don't really think with our body. It's actually our mind connected to our spirit. That's why when people would be insane, Brother Brandon would go pray for them. Uh, the one young girl that was in the insane institution and she lost her mind. And when the prophet went to talk to her, he found a channel by which he was able to break into that and help contact that girl's spirit. Now he said her spirit had went out from her body. So her spirit was out there wandering around somewhere. And when the spirit is not there, that's what causes insanity because the brain itself cannot do this on its own. So he began to talk to the girl and tell her, uh, did, did you want to be a preacher's wife and, and this and this? Yeah, yeah. And she began to talk and it began to break that with her. And he said he went out and caught her spirit and brought it back into her body. And whenever that happened, her right mind come back. Now, it was not so much that it was just her brain 
but it was the spirit separated from the intellectual part, and that's the way Satan was able to do this. And yet, every one of us will have all kinds of thoughts that go in our mind. Even whenever we're born again, we will still have thoughts that are absolutely contrary to the word. There was a brother that helped Brother Branham in the prayer line. And after the service, he come to Brother Branham, apologizing, Brother Branham, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. When I was bringing people up in the prayer line and reading their, their prayer cards, and he said the awfulest thoughts, filthy thoughts, sexual types of thoughts, he said, they were going through my mind, and I am so sorry, Brother Brown. You know, please forgive me. He said, brother, called the brother's name. He said, brother, them thoughts weren't even being thrown at you. They were being thrown at me. You can imagine a prophet standing there under the anointing and the angel of God there telling people their names, their addresses, their doctor's name, you know, their diagnosis of this and that. And yet he's still fighting that battle and Satan trying to put thoughts in his mind. Is it a helpless case for us, though, to where that we absolutely have no, no chance at all of being able to bring thoughts that are contrary to the word into subjection? No, let me say right first thing tonight, it is not an impossible case. Uh, do we need to be trained to be able to do it? Yes, we do. Now, let me give you some scriptures for it. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Now listen to this again. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed. Now that word stayed is a place of rest. So your mind is actually focused on the Lord, so you're working, you're going to school, you're doing other things of life, but yet the back part of your mind, it's constantly there. And what is the promise of God? For those whose mind is stayed on the Lord, he will give them perfect peace. Now notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Paul, a New Testament prophet, of course, baptized with the Holy Ghost, but yet, uh, some of you young people, no doubt, you have regrets. And you have a lot of things that you've done that's maybe wrong. And you've asked God to forgive you. And yet, you're haunted by memories of doing this and that and the other. Maybe you said something wrong. You lost your temper. Or you've done something wrong. You've asked God to forgive you. But yet, Satan still haunts your mind and your memory with those things that you've done wrong. But let me ask you. How would you like to have been the Apostle Paul? And you actually, before you become converted, you had people thrown in jail. You had people killed because of the cause of the Lord Jesus. They actually took their garments off and laid them at your feet while they stoned a man by the name of Stephen. Now we know how memories can imprint on our mind. You imagine as Paul would lay down at night and try to go to sleep and hear the weeping and the crying of those mothers and those children that were taken from their parents and the martyrs that he had arrested. You're talking about some bad memories. How was Paul ever able to preach about the grace of God? This, this is why Brother Ram said that Paul wanted to be a martyr because this still bothered his memories so bad. It was like he could never get away from it. It wasn't drinking and cussing and smoking marijuana, but it was killing the people of God. 
having some of them arrested, having some of the preachers thrown in prison. This is why the, the, the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers, they did not trust Paul. Can you blame them? Can you blame them? So here's this guy that had your mama arrested. Your uncle was thrown in jail. And then in six months, he comes around and says, hey, I'm one of you all now. Yeah, right. You think we're going to trust that guy? It took them a long time to be able to trust him. And even after they gained trust and they got to a spot that they thought, you know, I, I believe this guy's sincere. And they were able to overcome it. But you imagine him laying down at night and being wakened out of his sleep by the screams and the haunts of such memories. So when I read this, I read this with this background in mind. This is not a man who was a sinless individual that never done anything wrong. Never thought anything wrong, but this was a man that had mind battles like most of us cannot even imagine. With that background, listen to this. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. Now this word captivity means to lead away captive to capture one's mind captivate now this is what he said bringing into captivity every thought every thought you mean even the bad ones even the ones that you know you don't want yourself and satan puts them there so we as the children of god have the ability to bring those thoughts subject. How many believes this tonight? Mm -hmm. That we can bring those thoughts subject to the Spirit of God. Now notice what he says. He doesn't say ever one out of every three, three out of every 20, five out of every 150, but bringing into captivity. So once you look at it, I look at it, that thoughts are actually things which can be captured. So what are we going to do with them? Once we capture them, we are going to bring them into captivity. Why? Because they will dominate our lives if we don't. They will actually transform us if we allow them to. Thoughts are such a powerful thing. Notice he said, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of of Christ. So say Satan puts a thought in your mind of something that is wrong or something that is sinful. Then what are you young men to do? What are you young sisters to do? By the Spirit of God, you're to bring that thought subject and capture that thought. Why? Because Satan wants to use that thought to capture your body, capture your emotion, capture your spirit. But if he can do that, how about us as the children of God? But will it come automatically? No, it won't. And even though many of you I trust here tonight have the Holy Ghost, but this within itself does not come automatic. It's something that we have to learn how to do. Notice this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. That Paul again says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, 
Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Why? What difference does it make? Well, I'm a Christian. Why, why do I have to think on those things? Because what you think on, what you feed on, will determine how much victory that you have in your life. Amen. Right? Amen. Now think, whatsoever things in are lovely, is it any wonder that Satan would want to so occupy our minds with troubles and difficulty and heartache and sorrow and disappointments and hurt feelings and all those types of things? Why? Because all those things are the opposite of what Paul told us here in Philippians 4.8. Because there's power in what we think about. I want you to listen to this. It's a powerful sermon that Brother Brandon preached in 1955. Now listen, he broke in to much of this before many of the preachers in that day ever even had, had one bit of understanding about it. Now it's a strange thing, and it's so much thought of among people. They say, well, I'm weak, and my faith is not very much. I'm not a very good Christian. He said, that's just what the devil wants you to say. You are talking his language. Now, I wonder how many of us as Christians would think, well, now, wait a minute, wouldn't the devil's language be all kinds of curse words and all kinds of filthy words like that? Would that be his language? Well, yeah, that's one of his languages. But the devil believe it or not, speaks many languages. But many of you will never say that stuff. You'll, you'll never say that sort of thing. So Satan has a Christian language. So it doesn't include cussing. It doesn't include words that you wouldn't even want to spell because you'd feel bad for it. But it includes words like, I'm not a very good person. I'll never amount to anything. Nobody at the church loves me. Well, let me just blow that plum out of the water tonight. You have at least one person in this building that loves you other than Jesus, and that's me. Amen. I thought it made some of y'all smile. <laughs> you are loved, but Satan wants to tell us that. Oh, you mean Brother Donnie? He tells you that? He does. Yeah, he does. He tells me the only reason people love me is for what they can get out of me. My gift. He tells me if I wasn't a preacher, I wouldn't have a friend in the world. He tells me the only reason people from Africa and India and Australia and New Zealand and Europe and Greenland and Iceland and all over the world contact me is so I'll send them an offering or help them build a church. You mean you have to fight that? I sure do. But you know what God does? God will move on somebody's heart from Australia, like he did a couple weeks ago, in Queensland, Australia. And they sent me an email thanking me for preaching this and this. And they said, man, my wife was sitting there before church and we was talking about this and that and the other. And don't you know you got right up in your church and you preached word for word what we have been talking about and we wanted you to know how much we loved you so i read it once to me 
And then I read it once to the devil. And I said, do you hear this devil? Say, so you know what this proves? This proves you are a liar. So God wants to help us to deal with it and help us to be able to think on things. That's why if you feel inspired just to walk up to somebody and say, hey, I wanted to let you know I love you and I'm praying for you. I'm just praying, daughter. But you never know what that can mean to somebody. It may make their day and turn their life completely around. We all want to be loved, do we not? How many ever fights that thing of rejection? Oh. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares for you. You're really odd. You're really weird. You know, oh, so-and-so is accepted. Most of them people fight the same thing. Most everybody fights it in one way or another. And we want to be accepted. And God made us that way. Notice he said, you're talking his language right then. You must never. Wow. You must never say that. Don't never let your testimony be negative. Let it be positive all the time. Now, he doesn't just say that and stop, but he actually goes on to tell us what to say. Say, I'm saved. I have God in my heart. I believe Him with all my heart. Do you believe in divine healing? With all of my heart. Let your testimony always and your thoughts never permit a negative thought to come in your mind. If you can help it, when it starts... Don't entertain it. Now listen to this. Whether you say, I can't help the thoughts from coming. Well, be like the farmer that said he couldn't stop the birds from flying over his place. But he could sure stop them from roosting. Now y'all know what roosting is, right? So birds come through. Here they come. A whole flock of them. Well, that's the way they do our minds sometimes. And they come in and they're looking for a place to stop. They do it when I'm preaching. They do it when you come to worship the Lord. They do it when you listen to a tape, when you're reading your Bible, whatever more. Just one thought after another after another. Now, you may not be able to stop them from flying through. But when they land, get your gun out. All you need is a second. And you can blow them plumb away. Now, does that mean that another one won't come back? No, but go ahead and reload. you got an automatic and whenever it comes back, blow him out of the water. Just keep on blowing. You've got all that ammunition. What if I run out? You'll never run out. For every bad thought that Satan puts before you, you've got a bullet with his name on it. It's your fault if you don't use it. It's my fault if I don't use it. Notice this. He says, don't entertain it. You can't help the thoughts when they come. But don't entertain them. No, sir. Jesus Christ is my Savior. All things are given to me by God. I'm going to testify of them. And God, listen to this. God can only bless you as you confess that he has done it. Wow. So Satan wants us to believe that everything is just automatic. And it all just falls out of heaven like rain. That's not the way it's set up. You imagine that God, I wonder tonight for all of us, me included, okay? I'll include me with you. I wonder if one reason we're not more blessed is because we don't confess it more. Wow. So if God blesses us by the measure we confess, so if you have a half a cup, is that God's fault? Or mine? Or yours? 
And they say, well, God, God don't love me the way he loves them. Well, maybe it's because they're confessing him more. And they just keep saying it. God's my Savior. He's my Redeemer. He's my help. Oh, does that mean you're free from mistake? Absolutely not. I'm not free from mistake. But when I make them, I make them right. And I get down on the knees and ask God to forgive me. And I get up and I brush off my clothes and I say, Devil, you tripped me up that time, but you won't do it again. I'm going on. I'm a child of God. I'm heaven bound. My name is on the road. Praise the Lord. I feel like preaching. He said, he's the high priest of our confession. And he's the high priest and he can only do for us. I preached this years and years ago. A, B, C. He can only do for us as we A, accept it. B, believe it. And C, confess it. A, B, C. Accept, believe, Confess. This will turn your life around tonight if you allow it to happen. Right. So he can only do for us. We so well. I believe it. That's good. You've got the B part. But the B part is not enough. It's like this is a combination of three divine supernatural elements. You accept it. Not oh well. I accept it with Happy Valley. No. 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 I accept it with the rest of my family. No, nope, that's not it. You accept it for yourself. And then you believe it for yourself. And then what do you do? You confess it. So, you're sick. So you need healing for your body. So do you wait till you're well before you confess it? No. You confess it once God has made that promise real to your heart. Is that right? Amen. That's exactly right. What did Abraham do? He believed God's promise and he called those things that were not. They didn't even physically exist or visibly exist. But he said, they're here. They're here right now. I'm a father and my old wife there, she's a mother. Praise the Lord. We're going to have a baby. And no doubt they said they was absolutely out of their mind. But Abraham believed God's promise. He accepted it. He believed it. And then what did he do? He confessed it. Now the prophet likened confession to being water on top of the seed. So whatever you need tonight from the promise of God, God makes it known to you. You accept it. You believe it. Then what do you do? You pour water right on top of that seed. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I'm delivered. But Brother Donnie, what if I've got a besetting sin? And we have a question here pertaining to that. But what if I have a besetting sin and it hits me over and over again and I keep falling to it? Well, what should I do? Accept, believe, confess. So does that mean I'll never fall to it again? It does not. But it means your confession is stronger than that besetting sin. One of them is going to win and one of them is going to lose. You say, which one would it be? Your choice. Your choice. So, okay, so I, if, if I make mistakes again and I do the same thing twice, does that mean I, I'm going to hell? Does that mean I'm a serpent seed? It does not mean any such thing at all. It means you are a human being subject to mistake, but you rise right back up again and you A, B, C. How many times will I do it? Over and over again until that thing is under your feet. It may take you six months. It may take you a year. It may take you six years. Who knows how long it will be. But you keep believing God's word until it happens. Praise the Lord.
Notice this when he said, when you get to thinking about divine healing and you get to thinking about Christ, keep your mind, keep him on your mind. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, the Bible says, think on these things. If any thought comes by, well, maybe it can't be so. Get it off your mind right quick. Think on things that's positive. Never let a negative thought pass through. Don't let it stop. Lord, help me. Anybody else near need help tonight? Don't let it stop. If it stops, keep your thoughts positive. Amen. We want to change from hope today to positive faith. And there's only one way we can get positive faith. Won't you listen to this? That's by positive thinking of positive things. Wow. So there's one way to change from hope to faith. There's only one way. And he said that's by positive thinking of positive things. Well, you know what? The devil knows these quotes. He knows them better than we do. He knows the word. He's a theologian. He knows it better than we do. So what do you figure he's going to do to you and I to try to defeat us? Has, has any of you been tempted lately to join the mafia? Brother Joseph, have you been tempted? I mean, you've just been fighting it so bad. It's the mob in Chicago. They're pulling on you. Just, oh, God, oh, God. Has any of y'all been tempted to rob a bank before you come to church? No. Rob Chick-fil-A? <laughs> <laughs> so I can name numerous things, and you'd say, well, well no, 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 that, that, that don't bother me. But there's things that bother you, right? And Satan will try to keep your mind in those things. And, and you know as well as I do that he's the type of individual, you've heard me say it many times, that he will talk you into robbing a bank and call the police on you while you're doing it. He will put thoughts in your mind, in my mind, that come from him. They don't come from God. And many times they don't even come from you. But they come from the devil. And he will try to make you feel bad for assault he put in your mind. Have you ever had it happen? And he'll put things there and say, oh Lord, have mercy. Oh God, I hope nobody knows that. You ever get around good people and some kind of horrible thing will come around and oh, you're just froze. You think, you're God. That's why some preachers are scared to preach. You know, people are scared of preachers. They're afraid to get around. Well, don't worry. Their preachers will probably find some of the same things you're fine. But why does Satan want to do that? He wants to take them thoughts. Well, why does it bother you, young people? Why does it bother you when a terrible thought will come in your mind? There was one of the brothers of our church a couple of years ago. He texted me and said, Brother Donnie, man, my wife, I'd like to take you and Sister Carol out for dinner one night. I said, okay, all right, sure. So he said, what do y'all like? I said, well, just about anything. He said, probably, of course. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, you know, you, what about this place? I said, sure, that's fine. So Carol and I, him and his wife go in. We, we sit down. We small talk for a little bit. I knew there had to be some reason. I just felt there was something underlined. So as we ordered and then we were sitting there, I've seen this serious look come on his face. And he said, Brother Donnie, he said, uh, I, I need to apologize to you. I said, okay. For what? He said, 
He said, a few Sundays ago, he said, I was sitting around some people in the church. And he said, I felt this, this spirit get on me. And he said, I started criticizing what you were, what you were preaching. And I thought, Lord, what, what in the world was the matter with me? I said, that's nothing but the truth. That man's telling the truth. And he said, I looked around and I thought, oh no. That must be coming from them people. Now you're talking about scary. That spirits can get on us as humans. And we go to sinking thoughts. And you're thinking, where did that come from? Where did that even come from? Sometimes you don't even know the source. But sometimes it can be somebody around you. That is, anybody ever had that to happen to you? All of a sudden, you just some weird comes in saying, where in the world did that come from? Well, you see, as we pulsate this from within us, we have the ability to create atmospheres. And our thoughts are so powerful. This is why the Lord Jesus would perceive people's thoughts. The word, of course, Greek word is psyche. And it comes from where we get the root word of uh, all the sight stuff, you know how we are in our mindset of the Western civilization. There's such a down thing about it, and we think it's crazy. But there's actually a great truth to the psyche. And God Himself made it that way to where we would have that about us. And we can project that. We can do it. I do it many times as a pastor, whenever I'm counseling people. And they come in, and I can, I can sense it. I've talked to thousands of people over the years. So whenever I go to talking to them, and I, I can sense they're nervous, and they're uptight, and, and the, you know, they want to talk, and they're wringing their hands, and, you know, they're jittering, or they're doing whatever. And as soon as I see it, I, I want to break that, because I know I'll never be able to help them if, as long as they're in that frame of mind. So I'm, I may say something that will just make them laugh a little bit, and say something that will kind of, Break that. They don't even know what I'm doing. I'm going to give away a trade secret. Oh, man. Don't go home and tell your parents. But I want them to relax. I want them to be able to just relax so they can talk. And it's amazing because sometimes I will project my thoughts and I will just go a certain direction and pull them out of where they were to be able to get to really what they want to talk about. And you mean, as a human, we can do that? Why, of course we can do it. God gives us that ability. Brother Ram talks about himself. There have been people in and out of his house all day long. The children were screaming and crying, hadn't had food. Sister Mita was tore all two pieces, washing dishes. And he said, he came in there and he said, Oh, honey, I've seen this pretty dress. Oh, Bill, I don't want to talk about that dress. And he just started talking, talking. He said, what was I doing? Creating an atmosphere. Creating an atmosphere. So Satan himself has learned the power of such thoughts. He tries to do it before our pre-service at church. He'll try to do it while people are out on the parking lot or even standing in the foyer. And that certain person that pushes your buttons will not call no names or anything. I want you to look at y'all sitting there looking so innocent. Oh, wow. <laughs> And they'll walk by you, and sometimes your hair just kind of goes on the back of your neck. And you say, oh, that good little darling. Oh, my goodness. I got your attention then, didn't I? Why does that do that? Satan wouldn't hinder you from that service. So he'll put this thought in your mind, or that thought in your mind. And you're sitting there struggling. Anybody ever grocery shop while you was in church? Some honest people. 
God bless you all for your honesty. Any of your brothers ever fix any cars or repair vehicles or anything like that? You have? You sinner! <laughs> well, the Donnie of you, well, not when I've been preaching. But I have repaired a few things before. <laughs> oh no, oh no, not you! Yes, me. I'm a human, just like you. And Satan has access. Why? Why? Because this is the battleground. And if God is the only one that has access to our mind, it's not really a battleground. But a battleground is a no man's land. A battleground is where both sides can fire their ammunition. Young people, it's no wonder that sometimes we feel like we're about to lose our minds. Why? God is shooting these thoughts of truth and righteousness and purity and goodness and mercy and forgiveness. And Satan is firing from the other side. Right. Have you been seeing some of the, the battlefields in Ukraine? Have you seen any of those on YouTube? It's, it, it's amazing. I study war. I've studied many different types of war because I, I think it's a great parallel spiritually. And whenever you look, you know, the Russians to this day are still fighting under their military concept of basically World War II. And that was that you overwhelmed the enemy, not so much with precision bombs, but with a multitude of mini bombs. So the Russians have not really totally transformed into the precision bombs yet, the way that America and the rest of the Western world have. So you'll find these big machines and they'll just go, whoa, 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 one after another. They're terrifying. They're absolutely terrifying. And you look at the fields. I saw some today on YouTube. And, and there they are, 50 feet apart, 100 feet apart. And there are just thousands of holes in these fields. But America, by sending Ukraine, Drones, Turkey, the Barakatar II, and the different ones. And I saw a picture yesterday of this little bitty bomb dropped from a drone. And these Russians had the tank lid open, getting some fresh air, smoking, whatever it was they was doing. Well, I imagine they wish they'd have kept it closed. Because here's this drone hovering over this Russian crane, and this bomb comes. <laughs> And that hole the size of a man. So they look at the Ukrainians and say, they don't have as many bombs as we do, but the ones they've got are smart bombs. So you see, it's not that you have to have so many. No, that's the World War II way of fighting. We need to upgrade. We need our bombs to be smart bombs. So when Satan attacks us, we say, all right, boy, you're in for it now. I got them smart bombs orchestrated by the Holy Ghost. I don't have to have as many as you do. All I need is one inspired by the Holy Ghost, and it'll put you in your place. My daughter, Erica, this battle that she's fighting with her body, she fights it by faith. There's many days she don't feel like fighting. There's days to where she's so tired or she's so weary, but her confession has always been and continues to be, by his stripes I'm healed. Many of you have fought the same way, have you not? Is every day a battle for her? Yes, just like it is for you. 
Well, Brother Donnie, is she well today? No, I was with her for a little bit today. And I took her out a couple things that she needed to do. But I could only keep her out for a while because she was so tired. So I had to bring her back home. Her strength was gone. Her strength was depleted. But her faith was just as strong as it was before she got sick. So strength and faith is not the same thing. You say, I feel like my strength is gone. There will be times that you'll feel that way. But that don't mean your faith is. That does not mean your confession is. It means that sure, yeah, you're going to have weak times. But what should I think about? Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are of a good report. Think on these things. I love the way Brother Brown talks about this. He said he's talking about the people in the New Testament being around Jesus. Notice while they spoke about him and talked about him, the, the men on the way to Emmaus. While they spoke about him and talked about him, he appeared. That's a good way to get him around you. Talk about him all the time. Keep your conversation not on who's the next play that comes up on television or the next movies that's going to come. Who's going to be elected president? Talk about Jesus. Christians talk about everything these days but Christ. And they go on about a bunch of nonsense and everything they want to talk about. But talk about Him. Sing about Him. Love Him. Keep Him on your heart and on your mind day and night. David said, bind Him on the laws of your fingers and on your bedpost. That's the way. Keep Him before you in your memory and your thoughts, your praise, your speech. All that you do is keep Christ before you. That's the way to keep Him near you. Wow, so, so far all of these quotes that I've read and these scriptures, have you noticed them? They're action scriptures and action quotes. So it's not just something that you do mind over matter. Okay, I accept that. And then when I accept it, it's finished. No, you accept it, then you put it to work. So what will the end result be? It'll be how much you put it to work in your life. Now you see, we can gather here tonight and I can be able to read all this to you and share it with you, but it won't do you a lot of good or me a lot of good if we leave here tonight and say, well, that was very good. James said, be not a forgetful hearer. Somebody that hears it and says, that was really good. I really enjoyed that. But then James says, it's like a man who looks into a mirror and he sees what manner of many manner that he is. And then he walks away and forgets what he looked like. That doesn't really help him much. So what we want to do is A, B, C. Got a few more minutes? Watch this. He said, you have to move your thoughts. You have to move your thinking. You have to get away from reason and move your thoughts away from your thinking to what God thinks. When you begin to think His thoughts, you'll begin to live His life and do things that He did. You see what I mean? Because it's not you, it's Christ. Now listen to this. Don't think you sitting there in the wheelchair that you are hopeless and helpless. You're not. 
Now that would be quite a thing, wouldn't it? So one of your sisters, one of your brothers, sitting here tonight in a wheelchair, and the doctor says, there's no hope for you. We've done everything that we know to do. There's no hope. Now you're gonna believe what he says, or are you gonna take what the word says? By his stripes, I'm healed. You get prayed for, and nothing happens. You believe God, and nothing happens. So you do it for a day, two, three, then a week, then a month, then six months. And so, well, I got prayed for. Brother Darrell prayed for me. And so-and-so prayed for me. And not, not one thing has happened. God, God must not have heard my prayer. No, maybe he's just trying you to see how long you can believe. Abraham waited for 75 years. You got to at least do that. <laughs> 75 years? I don't think he'll make you wait that long. Notice, don't think sitting in a wheelchair you're hopeless and helpless. You're not. Don't let a negative thought ever pass through your mind. Okay. That sounds real easy. So, you imagine with me now, I'm in a wheelchair. I haven't moved my feet, my legs for 40 years. But I believe God is hanging up. So, y'all pray for me. I take God at his word. Brother Donnie, believe it. Amen. I believe it. Tomorrow, I'm no different. You see me at church on Sunday? I'm no different. You see me six months from now? I'm no different. What are you going to think? And what am I going to think? Am I going to think, well, is that promise not real? Or maybe I didn't meet God's requirement. Maybe I didn't have enough faith. Ah, you see who's firing them bombs in my mind? Young people, if you could see your mind tonight, it would look worse than the battlefields of Ukraine. You see, America wants to show Russia what they can do. So you know what America's been doing? America has been picking the painted lines in the bridges across some of the Russian territory that they have held in Ukraine. So they pick certain bridges that they transfer their soldiers and their weapons on. And they pick the lines in the bridges and they fire some of these shells from over 50 miles away. And they hit this line and they skip that one and they hit that one and they skip the next one. What are they doing? Sending Russia a message. You've got a lot of bombs, but this is the way ours are. We need to send the devil a few bombs and let him know. Nope, I didn't get it today, but it'll be a greater miracle tomorrow. And if I don't get it tomorrow, it'll be a greater miracle the next day. But I am going to get it. Because it's God's promise and I'm a son or daughter of God and you are defeated, Satan. And so, well, you don't feel it. And you still have to give yourself a shot. And you still got to take this medication. And you got to, that's only a temporary setback. That has nothing to do with the promise of God's word. Oh, my. Notice this. The greatest battle ever fought. These battles has raged since that day of the Garden of Eden. The battle in the human mind. Satan started it. What did he do when he met Eve? He didn't deny God's word, but he whitewashed it. 
He stopped up some little channels somewhere. He knew the word was right. And he knew he couldn't come right out and blast it. But he sugarcoated it. See, for many of you, the devil never come. Oh, God ain't nothing but a liar. Why, you'd say, you rotten devil, come on, I'll fight you in a minute. Ain't no way that he'll do you that way. But what he'll say is, oh yeah, God's a loving God, but he just don't love you. So-and-so went up and got prayed for the same day you did. They shouted, they run around the building, they got this and that and other. You went up there, Brother Darrell prayed for you, Brother West prayed for you, Brother Joe, Brother Joel Brown. You didn't feel one thing, now did you? You went back and sat down and you felt, Lord, what have I done? You felt terrible. And yet the Lord Jesus, never in the New Testament, whenever anybody come up to him for healing, miracles, or prayer, did he ever say, did you feel it? Did you feel it? But what did he ask him? Do you believe? Right. Now we love feeling. Hey, I'm a feeling preacher. I love feeling it. But that has nothing to do with me accepting the promise or you accepting the promise and Satan will fire his missiles and how does he do fighting World War II style barrage Daniel said in the last days that Satan would wear out the saints the Bible says in the Old Testament when the enemy shall come in like a flood a flood can come by heavy downpour the way we got yesterday Carol and I came around by because the construction people are supposed to be here this week. So I was curious to see how much water because I'm waiting on this pond to go down and down here. So we come over after the heavy flooded rain. Water running off the parking lot, running everywhere. You know, and that was a quick, quick downpour. But sometimes floods don't come that way. Sometimes they come by steady rain on Monday and a steady rain on Tuesday and a steady rain on Thursday. As you know, Ian... The hurricane, which has now formed in, into a Category 2 down in the Gulf of Mexico. And now they're saying probably going to be a Cat 4 by the time it hits the west side of Florida. And the warning of, you know, how many ever inches of rain and so many feet of the floodwaters, it's going to do this and that. For you, it might be a steady, just a steady downpour, day by day by day. But the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. So no matter how Satan attacks you, if it's a heavy downpour and he catches you and lays a snare for you and a trap and this happened and that happened and that happened and you just happened to be there and walked right into it. Oh Lord, what did I do? Oh God, forgive me. What was it? Satan trying to overwhelm you. But don't you let him talk you out of your repentance. John said, little children, I write unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate. That word is the same word that Jesus used in the book of John. We call it in the English, comforter. The Greek word is parakletos. So it's one that's called alongside to help you. It's like a lawyer. So, you know what people do, criminals, whenever they, you know, they come and question, where was you last night at so-and-so time? Oh, where was you? And you go to get nervous, you say, I want my lawyer. I want my lawyer. And the lawyer comes in and says, all right, now where was you? Don't answer that. Uh, when was you? Don't answer that. So, what are you doing? So, you've got a paracletos 
between you and the person asking the question. So John said, I, I write to you that you don't sin. But if any man does fall short of the glory of God, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ the righteous, which is a perpetuation for our sins, and not ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Oh, I, I wish we was perfect. My, I wish we was. I wish you was all Maytag Christians. And I could sit around like the old TV commercial of the Mag Maytag repairman. What are you doing today? Oh, nothing. Nothing. All my church members are 100% Maytag Christians. None of them fall short of the glory of God. None of them lose their temper. Right. I've heard of a few pastors that apparently that's the kind of thing folks say, God, I'm why the world, the Lord didn't give me some of them. But the Lord gave me Weber's and Yonces and Holmquist and Bailey's. Oh, God. And Reagan's and Parker's and Babs and Arrowwood's and all the rest of you little sweet darlings and crosses. Oh my. The other part of this question is how do you surrender your mind battles? Question answers. Brother Brandon, please explain how a person knows if he's thinking his own thoughts or if the devil is placing thoughts in his mind to make him think wrong. Now here we are in 1964. And yet somebody here, probably here tonight, the person who asked this question, in 2022, almost identical questions. You know what that lets me know? The battles have not changed in some ways compared to what they were in 1964. Oh, you're sitting here tonight with a smartphone and you've got temptations with this and that and the other. But in reality, much of it is exactly the same as it was in the Garden of Eden. Only three ways by which Satan can tempt us. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Well, you say, I heard you preach that Jesus went through everything that I did. There wasn't even pornography there. That was not things like I go through. You're right. By name. But the three avenues by which Satan tempts us, if you learn to overcome them three avenues, it makes no difference what the sin is called. You've learned how to conquer it. So whether it's a cigarette, a marijuana cigarette, a cigar, temper, it doesn't really make any difference. You see, we focus on the sin. What is sin? And it staggered people. I remember when I first heard Brother Ben say it years and years ago, he said drinking was not a sin. I thought, what? Drinking ain't a sin. Smoking ain't a sin. Of course, I was just coming into the mess. I thought, what in the world was the man saying? He went on to say, there's only one sin. And that's unbelief. Drinking, smoking, lying, cheating, all that sort of thing. That's the attributes of unbelief. So once you know what sin is, then the attributes themselves will change faces. But what you want to focus on is the unbelief. Now, I want you to listen to this, this answer. Everybody ready? Oh, it's so complicated. Now, if you don't get it, raise your hand and I'll go back through it again. Okay? This is the answer. If it's contrary to the word, it's the devil's thinking. Oh my goodness. It was so deep you didn't get it. 
Listen how simple. If it's contrary to the word, it's the devil's thinking. If it's with the word, it's God's thinking. Oh, you mean to tell me that God wants to use my brain? Sure he does. The devil does. Don't you see? That's the whole battle. Satan wants access to your mind. Why? Everything God loves and everything God touches puts an automatic hate in Satan. Why do you think he hates this earth? Why does he hate every person that God shows special love towards? Because of his hatred to God. God don't hate us because we're perfect, or Satan rather. He wouldn't even have a right to hate any of us because ain't none of us perfect. Why does he hate us? He sees the blessing of God on our lives. God has given us special favor. And when Satan sees that, it, he hates it. He can't stand it. So what's he try to do? Project his thoughts into our minds. God don't love you. You can't do this. You can't do that. You fail. You've messed up so many times. Boy, you've really messed up this time. There's no need for you to even try. Those thoughts will never harm you at all until you make them thoughts yours. You see, whenever Satan tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden, he kept sowing those seeds. Yay, that's God said. Now what did he do? He put the word in the form of a question. And he wants to make it look like God is robbing them. Wow. God knows. God knows that if you do this, why you'll be as gods. What in the world were they? What were they? Adam was a god. But Satan wanted to present it as if though God's keeping something from you. He's being mean to you. That's what it is. God is this mean, contrary, hateful, grouchy old man that don't want you to have no fun. That's why God says, don't, 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 don't. God's trying to be mean to you. Oh, God ain't trying to be mean to you. He wants to keep you out of hell. He loves you. But you see, Satan reshaped her thought of God. And said, as God said, you should not eat of every tree in the midst of the God. Well, yeah, I mean, sort of, sort of. God, God sort of said that. God has said, we shall eat of every tree. Except, you know, the one in the midst of the God. Oh, no, no. But God knows that the day that you do that, you're going to be like him. So he just twists it where? In her mind. Notice what he says. Oh, my. It may be the case that the devil is placing thoughts in your mind about a certain thing. How may it be overcome or got rid of? Y'all ready for this deep answer again? Take the vice versa. If the devil makes you think you're not a Christian, just take the opposite and say, I'm a Christian. Oh my goodness. Now that's more simple than power square. I always thought power round. And you all, I mean, who wants to eat a square pie? But you see, it's so simple that we just think it can't be that simple. It is. It's Satan trying to complicate our brain. 
And so it, it can't be that simple. We stumble over the simplicity of God's greatness. Let me close before you all turn into icicles here tonight. <laughs> if you're a Christian, you say, I'm a Christian, as long as your experience matches God's Bible. Anything else, the same way. Please pray for me. Notice that this sincere person. Please pray for me to overcome this. I'm not by myself. And the prophet says this. God grant your overcoming. Ever who you are. May your thoughts go right back to the other side and say, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Satan, you have no hold on me. Now listen to honesty. Frankly, I'm standing here right now saying the same thing to try to keep from fainting right on this pulpit. So here is Brother Brandon answering questions. And he's standing there. Something going on in his body. And he feels like he's about to faint right there. And he's fighting this in his mind. Oh my goodness. The last Monday night, whenever we had question and answers, and I went over there and stood with Carol, and I seen the Spirit of God as it moved across the audience here, and I felt to come back up here, whenever I turned and walked up this way, I almost passed out. I got so dizzy, and it hit me just like that. Just in an instant, I thought, you devil, you're not going to stop me. I'll crawl if I have to. I'll get on my belly. I'll crawl on my hands and knees and get up there and offer prayer. So what a lot of it is, it's Satan trying to stop us from doing what God wants us to do. Don't you know? Amen. Let's stand together.